musical, so unpredictable Here on the SNL Network Yes, that is right. Welcome on in, everybody, to the Saturday Night Network here on this Saturday night, November 12th into 13th, as we talk about the sixth episode of Season 48 of Saturday Night Live, the Dave Chappelle and Black Star episode of SNL. This was an episode that I think a lot of people were anticipating, dreading. I don't know what people were. It was, there's a lot of talk online for good reason. And we're going to get into that whole thing the decision to book Dave Chappelle, all of that on Monday night on our roundtable. That's what the roundtables are really for on Mondays is to dive deep into the decisions and talk about how this episode will be remembered. Tonight on the Hot Take Show, we're here to go sketch by sketch and break down all of the sketches, give our thoughts on everything that happened this evening and our hot takes as well. Very excited to be here with an incredible panel and also our chat. And I'll bring up your comments as we go through the night. So thanks for joining us tonight. Joining us for the first time on a Hot Take Show in season 48, it is the legendary Sammy K. Sammy, how are you? John, I'm I'm doing well. You know, my girlfriend, when I told her I was going to be on the show tonight, she's like, I can't believe you have to stay up till two in the morning. And I'm like, hey, you know, it's a tough job, but someone's got to do it. You know, this is why we get paid the big bucks here on the Saturday Night Network. So excited to be here tonight. Yeah, very, very excited to have you, Sammy, as well. This is, uh, this is the big show. So uh, happy to have you. And, uh, you know, t- to me, there's no better way to show that this is a big show than having this guy on with us for the first time on a hot take show. He is like the roundtable king, been with us since the very beginning, and now we finally got him to try a hot take show. It is the legendary Rich Tackenberg. Rich, how are you? I'm so tired, and I'm in Los Angeles. It's only 10, 12 p.m., and I'm but there's something about seeing the good nights that is like it is it I am it is programmed into my brain to mean that it's time to go to sleep. But I'm really great to be here. It, it, I, I just I always say this. It reminds me of 1991, my first year in college, after years growing up of watching Saturday Night Live by myself and not being able to talk about it till Monday morning, to being in college and watching it at a dorm room. And as soon as it's over, everybody gets to talk about it. I love that I'm part of the immediacy of talking about SNL again. So thanks for having me tonight. Yeah, of course. That's what's really fun about these shows. Whether you don't like the show or you really loved it, we're here to you know commiserate or celebrate what we saw tonight. And that's the fun of SNL is just really, uh, it's a lot of things to a lot of different people. But at least with this group, with this community, I'm so happy that every Saturday night we will be your home for post-show coverage. So excited to get into this episode and talk about what we saw from tonight. Let me start off by asking Sammy K what his hot take was from the evening. Sammy, you got something good for us? Yeah, I, I think I do. You know, I was watching the show and I was kind of like thinking, like, what do I want to talk about? And then suddenly we get Sarah Sherman on Weekend Update giving us her audition potentially for her to be a future Weekend Update anchor. I thought that was a great piece. And I think my kind of headline coming out of this is like, did we did we just see that? Like, is that is this something they're setting up or am I reading into it? I'm sure we'll dive deeper into that later on in the episode. Yeah, I would say I had that exact same note. So I'm excited to talk about that when we get there as well. Rich, what about you? Any hot takes from this evening? What is your headline from the Dave Chappelle Black Star episode? My headline was, I feel like Chappelle and with the with the writing and the producing behind him drew a line, stood on the line, 
leaned over, leaned back, but kept us on that line for 90 minutes. You can't do that on any other television show on TV because if this is pre-recorded, there's no line. That's what makes Saturday Night Live the show that I've been passionate about for my life. Some stuff worked, some stuff worked less so, but I love that they could keep us on that tightrope with him for 90 straight minutes. Really, really interesting to see. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And what I would also say, and I'll transition over to my hot take and my headlines from the night, there was two things I was really balancing between bringing up tonight. And the first is the experimental nature of the episode. If you go look at the Amy Schumer episode from last week and you look at the Dave Chappelle episode from this week, the structure of the episode's completely different. It feels like two different shows where you have a ton of sketches last week, this week, less sketches, obviously an extremely long monologue we'll talk about. And then you obviously have the Chappelle, uh, which is you know Chappelle show style, him introducing sketches that he's done before when he's hosted before that's very you know different and experimental and fun and only something you can really do on snl when you keep you know changing the format and it's something i think as fans we constantly ask for to keep things fresh to change up the format so that's what i really enjoy tonight and i would also say for my hot take for the night i think this was objectively at least to me <laughs> the best episode of the season i absolutely felt like you know bar none top to bottom I couldn't find something I didn't like. Like I, I just really enjoyed everything, everything and I went good. in. Yeah. Everything was good, and I try. Like I, I wasn't. Go, I always try and go in with a blank slate, and it was hard to do that this week. To be fair, but I was watching everything, and I was just like, "Damn, this is a really good episode of Saturday Night Live," and I'm so excited to get to talk about it three or four times this week. So gonna do that all <laughs> week long. But let's get into the sketches that we saw tonight, and let's start with the cold open which was fox and friends something that we've seen so many times on snl in different iterations over the generations but this time we have mikey as steve Ducey, heidi as ainsley and bowen as brian kilmade talking about you know the midterms and what happened to that red wave and looking at different newspaper articles and then we get the return of cecily strong's carrie lake which we saw when she returned to the show a couple weeks ago and then of course we're going to bring in james austin johnson as trump who was calling in from his daughter tiffany's wedding during the Vows. Uh, and, you know, very, some very funny lines where they're talking about, don't you need to be walking your daughter down the aisle right now? And he's like, ah, I missed it. But, you know, them communicating. And then ultimately we'll get Carrie Lake giving the solo live from New York, Cecily's solo live from New York, which was fun. It's something that's, uh, that's new. We're getting back to the solo elephant wise. So happy to see that. Sammy, let me go to you. What were your thoughts on Fox and Friends from tonight? And chat will ask for your comments as well. To me, this was the probably my favorite political cold open of the season. Something that, you know, they didn't overstuff it with like too many sort of, you know, characters and, and plot lines. And I felt like it was pretty focused with a through line of this is the fallout of the, the midterms and where the kind of Republican Party is with Trump kind of going forward. I thought, you know, seeing Cecily Strong back as Carrie Lake was great. I liked the kind of sort of flip flop bit she was doing with saying that everything is rigged and you know and then they're saying she's up in the polls and it's like oh no actually everything's fine and 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 that nature and yeah no overall i i, I just think the use of trump was pretty good as well i just really kind of admired how kind of focused it was and i feel like a lot of the times when we get like a at least in the last couple of years we'll get like a, a fox and friends cold open they they try to do so much and cover so many different stories 
And they were able to really kind of narrow it down for this go around. For sure. What a difference between last week and this week where you have, you know, similar subject matter that you're discussing, except like last week felt so scattered and this week felt more focused. Rich, did you feel the same way when you watched tonight's cold open? Yeah, really focused. I mean, you know, for me, I feel like whenever we now see a Fox and Friends cold open, I always have a pain of remorse at the beginning because as much as I think they do a nice job with these, I so miss in the Bobby Moynihan era. What was comic gold was the list of corrections at the end. Right. And it was just the easiest catnip of comedy. And I never understand why they why they gave that up because it, it, it that's not cast member centric. You could do that. So I'm always a little bit like, mm, okay, but this was just the writing was on point like and and i cannot explain to you logically why the same exact jokes that cecily strong is doing about vaseline and soft focus is making me laugh harder the second time than it did the first time but it killed it and boy you're right i mean the the everyone on this on this podcast series has talked about how the, the current version of James Austin Johnson the writing of Trump and the non-linearness when he was talking about the red wave and especially like the regarding leaves and like it was just worded so well and the whole through line about him being at the wedding i was like i felt like this was the tightest strongest trump it was like the tightest rambling i've ever seen them write which was so wonderful that i just was like this was an absolute win for me i thought this was just such a great sketch yeah analyzing saturday Night Live and just breaking down a sketch like it's so fascinating to me to take a look at this one which i think and i've seen in the comments as well most people seem to really like this and it has a lot of elements of cold opens that people don't usually like and I, I felt the same way. I liked it too. So the question is, is like, what was the real difference here? Is it just simply stronger writing or are there structural differences that they chose in the sketch, you know, where it's like going to two people instead of three people, Carrie Lake and Trump, you know, did they need that third person in there? Does that extend the sketch to a point where it starts to lose some of its, you know, magic that's working with it. And then, you know, with regards to the Trump stuff, it's very fascinating to compare this Trump to some of the other JAJ Trumps that they've done in the past where they maybe just go on way too long with it. And I just felt like everything was so tight here and focused in a way that it wasn't before. So it's it goes to show you that SNL can deliver on the material that everybody's complaining about, but there's a specific way that works better to me than others. Rich, anything yeah, else? And I would also, bit? yeah. And what I also say too is what we had here is we had, as opposed to taking a news item that is relevant and plugging it into the formula, the idea that the news story that was the anchor of this is that, the, you know, that the, the Trumpism of Republicanism doesn't seem to be working. How does Fox and Friends react? Changed the nature of the sort of arc of the game of the sketch, where instead of the game of the sketch is always let the Republican people do whatever they want, it really changed it. And just Trump being edged out, it was not just a visual gag. It was changing sort of the format and and the 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 rhythms of our usual Fox and Friends cold opening. So it felt very fresh to me, even though it was a format we've seen many times before. Agreed. Okay, then we dive in to our episode where we get something. It was really fascinating to me. And Rich, I know you are the type of person that really looks at things like this, where we had, you know, our typical Daryl Hammond introducing the cast, the musical guest, the host, and then we get to the band and Chappelle's about to walk out. But instead of the normal music, it, it's really jazzy. And um, I have to give credit to one of our interns, James, who said, you know, very similar for him to the Blues Brothers and John Goodman episode from 1998 and Snoop 
Dog did something similar in season 29 as well. But it's been a long, long time since we've seen someone break format where they're basically walking out to like jazz music and it's it's very, very Chappelle. So how did you feel about the monologue extremely long like we've seen the last couple of times and what we saw here with him walking out specifically? God, there's so much to to say here. I mean, yeah, it, very interesting choice, very confident choice to say I'm gonna I'm gonna add on to. I don't want to start from SNL music. I want to reset the palette, and I want to make this about me and not about SNL. I'm not just doing a monologue. I am going to do a mini stand-up concert on inside of the SNL format. And I think that he, you know, even the lighting changed a little bit, I think. And so you, you had a real reset to this. So I thought that was really interesting, obviously very confident. He knows what he's doing. You know, we'll talk about the material a little bit, but really, I mean, you're, you're getting a, you're getting a whole piece here. I will say the one thing I will say about, and we'll talk more about the, the content is in the beginning, it was, it was hard from the cameras to see Dave Chappelle because the blocking him was the elephant in the middle of the room and that elephant was there for a long time but uh so i was definitely watching it like where what what but um you know but for what he does he's you know one of the best Definitely. I mean, Sammy, you and I are Jewish and there's a lot of Jewish stuff that went on in a lot of Jewish talk here in the monologue, especially as it, you know, related to Kanye and Kyrie. And uh, he talked about Her Herschel Walker and Trump. I mean, to just break down this monologue in itself, which I believe uh, one of our members in chat said was about 15 minutes. I mean, we'll get the exact timing on that from Mike Murray during the week. I know that when uh, we covered, it was the sixth episode that we've ever covered on the show where season 46, episode six, he was the host, Dave Chappelle, right after the 2020 election and did a 16 minute monologue, which was the longest monologue of all time. I'm sure this was right up there. So lots of things, you know, to talk about from the monologue. Sammy, how did you feel about what you saw tonight? It was just, it was so dense. Like he, he covered so many topics throughout. Obviously a huge focus of it was on, you know, everything going on with Kanye over the last month. And I don't know, he, I was just on pins and needles <laughs> the entire time. Like, I'm just like, kind of like, like, you know, kind of like what Rich was saying at the beginning you know, here, just the the line that he's able to to walk. And as an audience member experiencing that, you know, it's it's live TV. It's it's thrilling. And, you know, it, you know, just speak personally, like as someone who is Jewish and also is a has been a Kanye fan. You know, it was like just kind of ca cathartic. It was it was truthfully like cathartic to like hear his perspective on the matter. I mean, I, I laughed a lot during the monologue, like the, the, you know, asking about, you know, why his Jewish friends, you know, can't do something. And he said, uh, you know, we can't go out. It's shanana tomorrow. Like that, like killed me. And just so many, so many great lines in this, in this monologue. And I don't know, like he, every time he, he comes on to the show, he, he just kind of proves again, like how long he's been doing this and how, just I, I don't know it's just like kind of amazing to watch so yeah it is it was, yeah yeah, I, I'm going to take you back. And this is a story I may have told maybe not all of you were with us in 2020. But I have a, a little story about Dave Chappelle, that I was in New York City, the weekend of I think it was 20 December of 2013. And it was actually the week of I believe, I would say 
Justin Timberlake or Jimmy Fallon were at were both hosting musical guests. I think it was Jimmy Fallon was host, JT was a musical guest of SNL that particular week, just to put you in the SNL mindset of when that was. And I was in SNL with, the, oh, sorry, I was at in New York City with a couple of friends, and we decided to go to the Comedy Cellar. And there was just nobody that we knew who was on the list, but we we're like, okay, let's go to the Comedy Cellar, let's see some comedians. And we're there, and a couple of guys went on, they were okay, and they said, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to ask you to put all your phones away because we have a very special surprise for you. Dave Chappelle is here. He has not done material in years and he wants to try new things. And he's going to come out there and he's going to try some new material on all of you. And it was the craziest thing where he comes out for two hours. He's sitting on this piano at the comedy cellar, just smoking a cigarette, talking to the crowd, doing crowd work, trying new material. And again, this was, I mean, nine years ago, but it was such a cool experience for me at the time. And just to get that in person where there's like, there was not many people in the room, like 25, 30 people in the room, something like that. And just to watch Chappelle's up close and then to see, you know, a monologue like this in 2020 and then in 2022, it's like, I know just how talented he is to just talk. This guy can deliver like a sermon. Like he could do it. He could talk about anything forever. And it's, it, to me, it's like, Maybe a lot of people who watch SNL traditionally are like, oh, I don't need a 15 minute monologue, but there's really nobody else I know in comedy who can pull off a long monologue in the way that Chappelle can. Just after experiencing it live, seeing him go on and on, I know that there's a lot of, um, you know, you know, sometimes like Rich said, does he cross the line? Sure. But I have to say he's amazing at what he does most of the time. So it was just it's incredible. Yeah, you know, and for me as a comedy fan, you know, there's a, if we're in the context of stand-up comedy especially or even sketch comedy, there's always the do I agree with the premise of what the person is saying? It has to be secondary to did the, was it funny? You know, so, you know, and the thing about Chappelle is his hit ratio of being funny transcends sometimes even when he's talking about something where I don't actually agree with the underlying premise of the joke, but he, he's here to make us laugh and, and certainly did that and it really well. For sure. Okay, let's get into our first sketch after the monologue. And this is a sketch called PM in the Afternoon, where we get a, an afternoon talk show hosted by Heidi and Andrew. And they have a musical guest on with them. It's Dave Chappelle as Willie T. Hawkins playing music off of his new album, My Potato Hole. And we have Chloe Feynman as the weather uh, person. We have Michael Longfellow as Skip, our sports uh, person as well, working for the news. And the sketch really is just a talk about, you know, they're, they're having some fun with the name of the album, the name of the song, Potato Hole, you know, making sexual innuendos with it. We get some funny lines from Andrew. Do I have a potato hole? Can I touch my wife's potato hole? Can we say it on TV? There's a lot of talk. And then... We find out once they get back to finally pushing Willie T. Hawkins to say what a potato hole is. It turns out that a potato hole is a hole that slave owners would dig to hide their food. And we just get this like shame on all of the white counterparts in this sketch where Heidi and Andrew and Chloe and Longfellow have no idea what to do with themselves. And the comedy here is really just watching the just like pure just devastation at like all the jokes that they were saying previously. So Sammy, how'd you feel about our PM in the afternoon sketch? So this is a sketch where like I I'm watching it. I'm like, I, I was getting maybe just because this Mukes was kind of like leading the sketch up front. I was getting vibes of the Joker sketch, which I actually liked, I think maybe more than, you know, some other people who I've talked to. Um, but it was, I, I was just not getting it. I was like, uh, 
is this really like the entire premise of the sketch is just potato hole? Like I, I get, I like get what they're trying to do, but it's almost like a, like an anti-humor sort of way of going about this premise. And then once the reveal comes, I'm like, I'm back in it. I'm like, Oh my God. Like I I like that kind of, I've never like, I can't think of a sketch this season where I've totally like just not been on board for like 80% of it to like some kind of reveal happening. And finally it's like, Oh, it totally is totally has clicked with me. I don't know. Just the, <laughs> the, the line at the end where he's like, that's what a potato hole is, bitch. <laughs> like just absolutely <laughs> killed me. So uh, yeah, no, this is one that initially I was like, all right, this, this isn't working like whatsoever. And then they were totally able to sell me on that at the end. Yeah, I mean, Rich, I think that the the brilliance of this sketch is the timing, right? It's they have to nail the timing so perfectly where they can extend the discussion about the potato hole long enough to the point where you're like, okay, just tell me what it is already. And then they'll hit you with the reveal. And they left it long enough that like, if you're if you're someone who's watching, and you're like, what am I not getting with the joke? Like, you had time to like, go on Urban Dictionary or Google like what a potato hole is. That's how long they left this going for before they finally just hit you with the reveal how did you feel about it i really liked it a lot and and interesting i had a very different experience i think than sammy or or maybe not but in that i didn't know what a potato hole was but i knew from just the gen just the 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 instincts of comedy it is going to be something that is serious and is going to make a white person who's made fun of potato hole feel like a horrible person so it was i, I thought it was a well constructed like uh, you know slow moving uh, car crash that we got to watch so the more like I thought like you know the face that Chloe is making when she's saying potato hole it's like I already because I because they have foreshadowed for me where this is going I'm I'm pre-laughing at the joke that hasn't happened yet intentionally in the way the writers want me to because I know how bad this is going to go when they find out whatever potato hole happens to mean and then the reveal of it was just the perfect how he reveals it is fine it's it's the reality reactions that make the sketch so perfect so dave is great but it's really the reactions of the cast members that just make it so funny and just that 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 skin crawl and what i liked about it is that in playing that moment they played that moment very realistically they didn't have any of the news anchors or the sports guy michael go too over the top in the response it was very grounded so you had this very silly sketch that has this turn and then the comedy is just the awkwardness of very real people feeling really, really bad. And then we're out. That was really nice. Get out. We got it. Really fun. So I thought this was really well done. Can I ask one question about this sketch that I've been thinking about? And again, this may be more of a roundtable question where you can watch it again and then deconstruct it. But did Dave play it as perfect as he could by just being so silent throughout and then he hits the reveal? Like if he's more communicative during the sketch, does that make it less funny to you, Rich? That's a good question. I mean, hard to nitpick because it was a good sketch, but I do feel like Dave, Dave wasn't the point of the sketch. And okay. in a oh, way, okay. if Dave had been more affable in the sketch, in, in kind of the trope of like the fun black blues musician sitting in with a Jimmy Fallon or, a, you know, or, or a Conan or someone like that laughing along and then the reveal, it might've been bigger. It would, but for me, it was, it was great either way. Okay. 
Interesting. Yeah, I would definitely want to come back to that on Monday when we're going to, you know, talk about this a little bit more because this was this was very solid to start off the night. And then we get to our first uh, pre-tape of the night, which opens up basically on Dave on home base, very Chappelle show style, where he's talking to the audience about his love for House of the Dragon. And let me just say, I am a big Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon fan myself. And I just watched all that first season. And for me, this really clicked when we start to get into seeing all the Targaryens and all of the different cast members is playing the different members of the House of the Dragon cast, only to see that this is not just a House of the Dragon sketch, but this is also a Chappelle's show sketch where we get Chappelle and Ice-T and Donnell Rawlings coming in. Uh, we get Chappelle playing his characters, Tyrone Biggums and Silky Johnson. So we go back to, you know, classic, very, very classic uh, Chappelle show characters. And this reminds me a lot back of, you know, an episode that I think a lot of people did like, which was the 2016 Chappelle show hosting episode where he had that Walking Dead sketch sketch that went absolutely viral. So Rich, what did you think of this? Are you a fan of House of the Dragon? Do you get everything? And how'd you feel about the sketch ultimately? Yeah, this was really nice. The, I mean, in that I, I watched uh, House of the Dragon, so I knew the references. I've watched the Chappelle show, so I knew the references. Really fun integration. I like that even though we are doing Chappelle show characters, there were still a couple of House of Dragon jokes, like when he, when the daughters see the sons that they're going to have to marry. And they're like, like that was just a good House of Dragons joke regardless of Chappelle show characters. I thought it was really funny. I will say a technical thing and I can't wait to rewatch it. There were a lot of Dave's lines. I couldn't understand. I literally could not understand. And, and my wife, Genevieve said the same thing. Like, wait, what did he say? What did he say? So I missed a lot of the jokes, but just on the pure energy of seeing these great characters come back, planted into the situation and the fun of, of the other cast members playing the other house of dragons characters really liked it a lot. Yeah, and I really loved, especially if you're a House of the Dragon fan, watching J.A.J. who was playing Viserys here yes. with all of his body oh. parts falling off. Like, that was just pure. <laughs> like, that was just amazing. So that that to me was, I think, from a House of the Dragon perspective, that was probably the funniest part there. They really went in on And I will say before we go to Semi that when we would watch House of Dragons, we would talk about it at work the next day. And by episode, I don't know, six, seven, eight, you would see, we would talk about how the king, and I would say the way that the king was in that episode is the way that they would play him in an SNL sketch making fun of the fact that this guy isn't dead yet. So the fact that it then became an SNL sketch where we're making fun of how he's not dead yet was just so perfect. I loved it so much. Yeah, so great. Sammy, let's get your perspective on what you saw tonight from the House of the Dragon sketch. So actually for me, this is like the one sketch tonight that I don't think really worked for me. I think a lot of it has to do with what Rich was saying with a lot of the lines that Chappelle was saying, like I totally, something about the editing, like maybe I just missed or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think for me, the kind of issue I had with it was how it was kind of starting as just like a regular sort of House of Dragon sketch and like, you know, doing a play on like, you know, the, the Valerians and, you know, with, you know, black stereotypes, you know, in the kind of Game of Thrones world and then starts throwing the Chappelle characters in like they already did in 2016 with the Walking Dead sketch, which I thought was a lot more successful in kind of merging those two worlds together. So yeah, this is one that I hope I kind of like a little more on the rewatch. I also think it was interesting that, and this might just be as a House of the Dragon fan, like a, a weird thing to point out, but was Mikey Day in this sketch? Because a lot of people yeah. online, he was. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, he was playing. Uh, uh, he was playing Eric, but like you know how there was like Eric and Eric on the show. He was playing one of them. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. Because there is a character on House of the Dragon, the one that like likes the the feet. The foot uh, like guy. The kind of, I, I don't. Yeah. Think, no, well, he, he, he wasn't so, uh, Lara Strong. He, well, yeah. I know, and he looks so much like that guy. So I don't know how they couldn't take advantage of that um, and throw him in there. But uh, no, I don't know. I, to me, it was just not as successful as the Walking Dead version. That's not. You know, I don't want to just try to. You know, just compare the two and say like one was better and this is why this one didn't work for me. But yeah, I just think I kind of got lost in what they were trying to do, you know, overall. But I, I hope that when I rewatch it, I'll kind of kind of get what they're doing a little more. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll also add in one, a little bit of a nitpick again, not that I can write this show, but uh, having, it was fun to see Dave open up with him talking about, you know, he sets up a, he's a house of dragons fans and black people on the show uh, and, you know, and how black people are portrayed in house of dragons. Uh, and then he throws it to the next season, but because of that setup and him setting up, isn't it interesting how black people are portrayed in the show? When we go to the pre-tape, I actually thought it started with some pretty good House of Dragons jokes that had nothing to do with ethnicity that for me kind of got lost because I was waiting for the, well, this is going to be about black people in House of Dragons. And I actually think that the piece, if it played without the Dave uh, setup, would play strong stronger and more fun and with with more of the the you know the 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 chart of the family chart and who's having sex with who and a couple of other good setup jokes and then just the reveal of Keenan talking about black people swimming and and you know being as part of that house would have played stronger than kind of Dave tipping the hand a little bit. Okay, that's a really good point. That's very fair. Let's head over to our next sketch, which was the barbershop sketch where we have Ego, Keenan, and Chappelle all as uh, barbers cutting. Uh, we have Punky in the chair. We have Devin in the chair. And then, uh, we, of course, we have Michael Longfellow as Philip, who is the one white barber who is there, who, you know, most people at the barbershop talk are talking about Kyrie and Kanye. And, you know, Philip keeps chiming in with his, I guess, white comments to, 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 uh, you know, sort of contract what the others are saying. And there's just the the back and forth between them to me is really interesting here and pretty, pretty funny. Sammy, how did you feel about what we saw from Barbershop? I love this. I think this is easily my favorite sketch of the night. Uh, not just because Mikey Longs was in it, but um, I don't know, he, he he's all was, over the show, by the way. What, what a great yeah, draft. Yeah, you. yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, it wasn't just because he was the only featured player available when you know, it was my turn to draft. <laughs> right, exactly. No, <laughs> but no, I mean, he he was just really great in the sketch. I thought the writing was really strong. The the, the entire premise was just so funny. He, him kind of <laughs> saying all these things that he, he's thinking is going to be like kind of an accepted sort of like, oh yeah, we're all on the same page here, right? And like totally the the way that they kind of just let the the sketch play out with, you know, the silence of, Every time he would say something, just kind of, you know, cutting to Keenan, um, you know, you know, cut, cutting uh, the customer's hair and and stuff like that. I don't know. They 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 really let the sketch breathe, and I felt like it didn't overstay its welcome. The 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 escalation was there. I don't know. <laughs> him saying that he uh, set all of his Yeezys on fire, and everyone kind of just like dismissing that, like, oh, the college dropout, you know, came on the car the other day, and it's still fire. Uh, I don't know. Just just a really, really 
good use of uh, Mikey Longs and being able to see him play off everybody else was uh, was really great for me. Yeah, I, I think, you know, obviously there's a little bit of a theme in the writing and in the sketches tonight where you had a lot of sketches that were written, you know, from a black perspective. And then you have the white character who doesn't, you know, it, you know fit in the context of the sketch. And then the comedy is there because the white character is, you know, saying different things and the black people are giving the side eye to the to the white character in the sketch. And then we obviously have that in, you know, different formats. So in the PM in the afternoon sketch, you get the one black character who explains something to all of the white characters and they're all just devastated. But here you actually have the opposite setup where you have a lot of black characters who are then you know all just wondering what this one white character is saying the whole time and i think i think that the, you know seeing the first sketch and then seeing this sketch almost made this sketch better for me because the formatting was so different and almost opposite to the first one that it felt fresh and interesting even though that you know you could you could find probably find like a layer of concept that overlaps i think rich the structure of the sketches being so different was really great in the context of watching this episode from start to finish how did you feel about what you saw from the barbershop sketch absolutely and i'll top on to you that and and sammy sort of related to this but just think about it from a writing and performing perspective the punchline of the sketch that they kept hitting was the sound effect of a razor that was the punchline and it worked Every time it was like, how great is it that the punchline is silence, which is something that you never see, especially on a live show where you could really like, I would be so petrified if I was a performer about that silence and getting that laugh. And I, I really liked it. I will say that, yes, thematically part of the subject matter was covered in the monologue. So it felt a little bit repetitive, but I liked the way that they played it. I liked that again, the fact that Mike gets this, Michael gets this shot, not to just be in a sketch, but to really anchor it is, it is him versus, you know, everyone else in the sketch and, and that he held his own on the stage. I also really liked the writing that as the white person, you know, he's the crazy person per se in the sketch. And yet the and yet they kept him very lucid. It didn't go to crazy town on either side. It was more about the differences that really exist than taking one of the two, either Chappelle's character or Michael's character and playing it suddenly to crazy town. And the fact that that worked, I thought was really, really innovative and really fun. Yeah. And I would say they had a really funny button on the sketch where he leaves and he's like, he's police saying it. And I think like, you know, that was a great line as well. And I, and I think that like, you know, I think the fun that the writers probably had in the writing was, you know, because as Rich points out, the, you know, between the different lines, we had the buzz and there wasn't so much depth to the specific lines of the black actors or characters in the sketch. But I think the fun that the writers had in writing the sketch was like, how white can we make Michael Longfellow's lines here? And I think yes. that if you go back and you watch it, it's like, okay, what's the whitest TV show he can be talking about? What are the whitest characters he can be talking about? And that to me is like, that, that was where I think the fun goes in this. So really enjoyed that. Okay. Then uh, we get performances by a black star. So very exciting to have black star on the show. I know people, hip hop fans were extremely excited to have them there and uh, reuniting and performing on the show. So a lot of hip hop this season. Uh, glad to have them on the show. Then we get weekend update where we have uh, you know a lot of talk about the midterms and we have two different weekend update correspondents. So we'll take them one at a time. Let's talk about the first time we get to see a rookie on weekend update play a character 
in season 48. And that would be Marcelo Hernandez, who plays Jose Suarez, who wants to be president one day. Sammy, what did you think about Marcelo's character that he premiered here tonight on Weekend Update? Such a great character. Like, <laughs> just like very like fully formed. You know, when he first kind of came up, I I knew he was playing a character, but I was wondering, oh, wow, he's kind of coming back to update so soon after his first appearance. You know, that was him playing himself versus a character. But, you know, will there be like a lot of overlap? And, you know, he definitely still has that energy that he brought in his first, you know, time at the update desk. But the, I, don't know, I, I just love the, the kind of vibe he was coming off of. Like, everything's fine. Like, you know, uh uh, with uh, with uh, America, like you know, I, I'm I'm just gonna go down the middle basically and try to garner uh, votes. And I don't know, just very very funny joke writing in this. The Roe v. Wade bit was great, uh, where he's talking about you know you're either gonna row the boat or you're gonna wait. And like uh, I don't know, he he he's like really kind of growing on me. He was someone that when his um, first appearance on the update happened, I. I saw people online like really loving it and I, I thought it was like solid, but I, I, I wasn't totally sold, but you know, his sketch work and um, this appearance tonight, he's, you know, definitely becoming one of my favorite new cast members this season. Yeah. In the preseason, Rich, we found out information about these four new rookies coming onto the show. And I had heard through the grapevine and also just, you know, doing more research that Marcelo was the one that they felt like was going to come in and be like as fully formed as any veteran cast member where he had the experience. He had, it was comfortable. He was big on TikTok and Instagram doing sketches and uh, has a ton of stand up experience as well. So for me, I'm not surprised, but really just to see his energy and his confidence in this camera character in only his sixth episode on the show i think we have the makings here of a you know a long-term success story on saturday night live how did you feel about what you saw from marcelo tonight that was just fantastic i thought it was fantastic great energy great character and it was not a retread of characters we've seen a million times before it reminded me a little bit of a classic louis ck bit he had done on conan about how you know how our biggest problems aren't really that big of a problems but he brought such a unique perspective to it the roe versus wade joke should not have worked that should have been a groaner it should have been a dad joke or a michael che laughing at the audience groaner and he sold it through pure charisma, personality, and energy. I loved the back and forth with him and Colin. Uh, and I thought for a stand-up comedian to play a sketch character, this big and yet not too big was really, really fun. We're going to, uh, we're going to see this character a lot more. And I'm, I was really excited to see what he's going to do based on this character. Cause I thought this was really, re I was assuming this will be the strongest feature of weekend update, not knowing what we were going to see afterwards, but boy, this was a home run for sure. Definitely. Let's transition over to what we saw right afterwards, which was Sarah Sherman as herself on Weekend Update, which is something we saw a lot in her first season as a cast member, season 47. But this time, uh, this was actually, by the way, something that was cut from last week's show. So this what didn't actually make it to air and it would have been great to see it then. But we do see it now where Sarah Sherman uh, is tired of hearing jokes about the midterms and she just wants jokes about Sarah 
And so here we go. We get Sarah News with her own set. And she comes in there. And what a way to like change up the format where you have her own set, her own graphics. And obviously, you know, all the behind the scenes people at SNL must have had a ton of fun creating this where she's going to, as Sammy said, audition for a future weekend update spot and, you know, tell some jokes. And at the same time, we get this, you know, like we saw many times with the, you know, Leslie and Colin relationship. Now we have the Sarah and Colin relationship where she says, bro, I'm only going to say this one. Stop touching my leg under the table. You know, we get the the whole thing where she lifts up the uh, the page and it's a picture of of her. And yeah, I mean, I just I love the continuation of this relationship and how uh, how how crazy she's willing to go with all of it. So, Rich, would love to get your thoughts on Sarah Sherman on Weekend Update, a highlight for me tonight. Yeah, so funny. I mean, such great energy, great writing, taking jokes, which even as a man, I don't feel comfortable quoting about involving turkeys and uh, but just super funny. I think turkey waddle. Thank you. Thank you. I wasn't even going to go there. Um, But yes. And I, you know, and there was a moment when she had delivered a joke and it was, it it had gotten a big laugh and she was just staring at the camera smiling and she owned the room. And I was like the charisma, she was more powerful saying nothing than a lot of features do with their bigger lines. I was like clearly star power. So I love this. I will say, I do think that this kind of performance is best in small doses. So, you know, when you talk about auditions, I don't, for me, I think that would be a waste of Sarah that I think if you made her just read jokes, uh, next to, you know, I, I think we would lose, I would rather keep her in a feature spot where she comes in at a level 10 for a couple of minutes and gets out and let weekend update reset itself to its normal sort of here's the next joke here's the next joke vibe but just i thought this was one of the absolute highlights of the night this was so much fun for sure sammy you must have been very excited to see sarah sherman at the update desk how did you feel about sarah news tonight it was awesome i mean just like straight up the just like being the, the the kind of the world that's able to craft in such a short amount of time, like between the kind of, I don't know if it was like a theme song, but kind of just like the visual, you know, we've talked about in the past about how SNL needs more like character theme songs for certain bits. And like, that was kind of the vibe I was getting. The set design was really cool. And she was just totally able to take over as far as like, you know, this idea of her like auditioning. I, I don't know. It almost feels like the, the last couple appearances she's had on the show were like mini auditions. And it's kind of slowly, it's like the snowball kind of rolling. And the the more spots, like I, I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, but she hasn't, I don't think she's played a character on Weekend Update yet, right? I think she's only done like these appearances as, as herself. Yeah. So yeah. I find that very interesting because like she is someone who, has the capability to like create these crazy characters and that has done that in sketches, but has not done that in updates. So I don't know, maybe I'm connecting dots where they're not, um, you know, we're, we're doing the stuff we do on the show, which is overanalyze things, but yeah, no, uh, she, she was able to kind of, you know, bring that sort of Chappelle energy of walking the line more so than like anyone else on the cast in this episode. She like was just, telling the most ridiculous, vivid things about herself, putting herself on display. And it was hilarious. And as far as like that, not, you know, that getting old or, you know, not being as special, I totally see that. I obviously her, if in this hypothetical scenario, she were to take over update, it would be 
you know, completely different from, you know, what Colin and Shay do and what, you know, people have done in the past and whether she's doing it alone or they pair her up with someone maybe a little normal. I mean, think about like a, a Michael Longfellow, Sarah Sherman sort of dynamic on Weekend Update where he, you know, is, you know, not necessarily like a straight man, but compared to her, I mean, most people are a straight man when you, you put yourself next to Sarah, Sarah Sherman. But uh, I don't know. It, it just, it, it, it feels like they're doing something, but you know, for all we know, Shane Joe's can be on the show for another like five years. So looking at this piece alone, it was just so exciting. What a great sort of way she was able to take those initial appearances that people kind of thought like, all right, like I think, you know, she's done it three times. Like this is kind of dumb. Let's, you know, see what else she can do. And she was able to say like, no, like we're, we're kind of elevating it even further and escalating it even further. So I don't know. This is, this is why that was, you know, the headline for me tonight. That was just, you know, super exciting to watch. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, maybe Sarah doesn't want to be a weekend update anchor. So I don't necessarily want to put that on her. If it's something that she doesn't want, but obviously like, you know, you could sort of see it in a way with the things that she was doing tonight. And I think that the reason that Sarah Sherman is clicking with so many people on SNL is the thing that I talk about, which is actually missing from some of the cast members and even some of the long-term cast members that are veterans on the show right now is you know, beyond any characters she would play on the show, we know who Sarah Sherman is as a person or as a brand on the show. We know the style of comedy she likes to do. We've met her as herself on the show. And I think that's so important. It goes back to the original days of the show, the incarnation of what made Saturday Night Live's original cast so great is you knew who each person was on the show. You knew who Gilda were and Jane and Danny and John. You know, we know who Sarah Sherman is as a person and as a cast member. And because we do, we can buy in to sketches that she produces so much more easily than a cast member that we don't know or understand who they are on the show she's given us that leniency to you know if she doesn't pull off something great okay well we know who sarah is we know what she was going for we know who, what she was trying to do not every cast member provides us that and i think it's a lesson to be learned from sarah in her short time on the show of how you kick off a great career as a cast member by letting us in just a little bit and producing segments like this that's why i love sarah sherman on the show so i was so excited to get to see even more of that tonight Agreed, for sure. Okay, after weekend update, we head over to Black Heaven, where <laughs> Dave starts off, you know, obviously smoking and talking to us, and he says he's not going to be in this next sketch. Okay, all right, Dave, so you're not going to be in it. Great. Well, Devin Walker is here, and he goes into Black Heaven, where he meets Ego and Keenan and Mikey Day. Yeah, Mikey Day is there, and he's, I believe, supposed to be playing like a pimp is that the way he's dressed and you know he's talking and okay wait the sketch gets very meta and it sort of reminds me it's a different style sketch but it sort of reminds me of a sketch that we did get in 2016 where it actually broke into an snl news conference there was a sketch and then they all basically lined up and then you had uh i think it was keenan at the time it was like asking questions to the different cast members who were in the sketch and dave who was playing somebody in the sketch so it got extremely meta where we get taken out of the sketch at that point and mikey day starts playing himself and he starts saying how he shouldn't be doing these lines and then we get dave chappelle basically laughing at him the entire time for the lines that he's writing Dave's friends show up they're laughing um and we also get punky johnson in this as well as the ante with the mac and cheese so <laughs> sammy how do you feel about the black heaven sketch we got we got tonight so yeah this was like the, the second time tonight where he kind of comes out and introduces a sketch to where i'm thinking 
with like the first with the House of the Dragon sketch when that started, that was kind of like, oh, like is this something that you know was cut from a previous episode this season, and he's not going to be in this, and then now it turns out he's going to be in it. Then it happens again with uh, this sketch, and I was like, oh man, like you know, like with his last episode that he hosted, you know, he was only in like two or three sketches, so you know. When I see someone host SNL, I want them to be in, you know, a lot of sketches. And, uh, yeah, they totally, you know, fool us by having Kevin Walker come out first. And you're thinking, oh, is he playing the Chappelle character? Like, that's, you know, okay, that makes sense. And then and then Mikey Day comes out. And, uh, yeah, it definitely reminded me of that press conference sketch from 2016. I felt like there were a lot of sort of little echoes to that episode. Um, you know, the only thing we were missing was, like, a politician at a piano um playing how oh, yeah Hallelujah. we're missing that <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i wasn't missing that but for the comparison's sake but i don't know yeah this, this is such a, a a funny premise every time they would kind of bring mikey back to be like i, I don't know i don't know if i should be saying this or if i can say that it was really funny and i think the the best sort of line and and, and meta thing that they did in this sketch was keenan saying like Come on, man! You're in the first season of Wild and Out, which is just like in a in a like I feel like that's got to be like the 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 seed of this sketch, like why this even exists is the fact that he was on Wild and Out. So yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, I also enjoyed that Mikey Day was the chosen cast member for this role in this sketch, whereas we had Longfellow in the previous one. And, and, you know, we hadn't really seen Mikey as in this role throughout the entire night. So this was you know kind of fun to have him there. And I think he was extremely well cast. So, Rich, how did you feel about Black Heaven? Oh, very well cast. Yeah, it, it was interesting for me because this was a very tonally a very post update sketch, but we had so few sketches pre update that it felt like it was a pre update sketch in a post update sketch slot. So when Chappelle is addressing the audience and saying he's going to sit out, it had a weird, like, is this going to be a weird sketch? Is this going to be a right down the middle sketch? Um, for me, once he said, Hey, I'm just going to have someone else play me. I was immediately like, this is going to be a white person and they're going to put him in a super awkward position. And how are they going to do this? And I was so happy when it was Mikey who came out because for years, and, and I am remiss, I cannot think of a specific example. We've seen a number of sketches where Mikey's character is the, oh, please don't make me do this. Oh, and yet this time we got to see Mikey at playing a version of himself in the, oh, please don't make me do this. This is so painful. And I thought this was so fun back and forth. And again, it's the looseness of the format that was super fun that we could just break the break the fourth wall and it was totally okay even though clearly this doesn't make any sense because you know this could obviously never happen in a real Saturday Night Live and and who cares and just you know again it, it's similar to me that the new sketch in the beginning once you see Mikey at playing you know dressed as the pimp we know where this sketch is going to go and we are along for the ride and the performances keep at the level that we need to keep so we're not getting tired or oh I knew they were going to make a Hennessy joke okay it just kept staying fresh it kept staying fun dave you know cutting back to him 
timing on live TV is a little bit hard when you're doing that. There was a little bit extra of a pause than we needed, but still to see him with his friends was super fun. And I, I agree with Sammy. I, I just, I remember watching Mikey day on wild and out. So to see that crazy callback was such a deep cut that I loved. It was super fun. Yeah. I love that as well. That was an amazing line. The world star line was very funny to me as well. And then I would also say that I think that Dave Chappelle in this particular sketch, and I understand what they're going for with all the Chappelle show stuff, but it really reminded me just in SNL terms of an Ebersole era host. If you understand what that means, which is a like early 1980s host that would come in. And those were the times when they really experimented with the show a lot where between sketches and at the beginnings and end of sketches, sometimes you would just get this host direct to camera or host talking to cast members and you get this moment. And I, this is my, probably my favorite shot of the sketch where you really just get the other friends of Chappelle coming in while he's sitting on almost like the director's chair. You get to see the audience behind him. That to me is like so much fun and things that I just want to see happen on Saturday Night Live more. So like, I, I don't know. It, it was hard to ask for more yeah. from this. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And it reminded me a little bit of even earlier Saturday Night Live of like them not wanting to be the bees, just like having that like call out on camera as if it was happening in real time. Super fun. Super fun. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it, and I, I wish this generation of like younger SNL viewers who have maybe have an experience that could experience this more because this is this is what SNL originated from. So it's very fun. All right, let's get to our final sketch of the night and we get our please don't destroy pre-tape. So it's been about, uh, I guess it's been since episode three that we haven't seen please don't destroy. So it's been a while and it is uh, election night. So for the midterms and we get the please don't destroy boys sitting around watching election results. And all of a sudden, Steve Kornacki, who cameos in this pre-tape, announces that new cast member Molly Carney has become the new attorney general of Ohio. And uh, Jay, oh, so James Austin Johnson as the anchor announces, but we get uh, Steve Kornacki also there doing election results. And this is this is really funny because we actually get Molly Carney who comes in to the please don't destroy office and needs to figure out what to do isn't sure how to handle this there is a speech that needs to be made soon we get a lot of fun lines like uh this election is a fraud where you know they are talking on the phone and we get molly dressed in full c-span so and then also uh, sarah sherman appears here as mrs carney at one point so really fun moment for molly who frankly we just have not seen enough of so far this season so i was really happy for them on the show tonight that they had this moment rich what were your thoughts on please don't destroy's pre-tape tonight I thought it was a, a really fun way to end the show. It was, you know, similar, like a lot of predictive beats when we got into it, but I thought Molly did such a good job setting it up. It's so ridiculous. And I loved the urgency that they brought to this ridiculous premise. I love how it starts with a tweet that seemed like a very relatable drunk tweet. That was a nothing tweet that turns into something. I love the twist when the guys are suddenly in their election, uh, you know, gear, you know, uh, wardrobe uh, you know with the with the tags and everything so a lot of good energy i thought the pacing built really well i don't know that we ended in some like brilliant reveal uh i, I would say it's probably not my favorite uh or i wouldn't even put it in the list of my favorite please don't destroy pre-tapes but just a really fun way to end the night and and a really fun sort of pacing to sort of bring us home 
Sammy, how did you feel about what you saw tonight from Please Don't Destroy? I really enjoyed this piece. It felt like a live action cartoon, if that makes sense. Like they, yes. the, you know, there's been a lot of debate about like the in office versus the out of office. And I think this is like the perfect use of an in office sketch to where they're not just kind of, you know, making jokes like, you know, they're, you know, they're pitching ideas for Saturday Night Live there. The, the office itself is like a world where anyone can pop up, like the, you know, the, the news reporter can come in. Uh, who's just on TV and, and come into the office, you know? Um, and I, I, I thought like Molly was just great. The, the they they keep poking fun at, um, you know, this is a you know a thirty year old background uh, 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 extra at SNL, and they're like, ah, I'm a, I'm a cast member. Like I, I love that kind of meta bit, bringing Sarah Sherman in again with you know no lines, but her being the conservative Christian mom and, and molly being like well hello mrs kearney like <laughs> that, that was really great yeah no like, like rich said just like a, a great fun way to kind of you know close out the night yeah and you know what i've been very against pdd in the office because i've so much more enjoyed them outside of the office in the few times that we've seen it but i think for me i've solved what uh, or I figured out what i do like about them in the office that may have solved my issues with it which is that door to the office is a magical door in my mind that hmm. anybody can walk through at any point. And if I keep that perspective when I'm watching, I think I'm going to enjoy Please Don't Destroy more because the moments that I did like the, of them in the office is like, wait, what? Now the anchor from the TV is walking through the door? Like, that's really exciting. Or like, which writer or which cast member is going to walk through the door? Or is it going to be Paul Rudd or Al Roker is going to walk through the door? I think if I have the perspective that the office isn't the actual office at SNL, but in the world of the PDD sketches, the door frame to the... Uh, to the office is this magical world where anyone can enter at any time. I think that makes them more funny for me. So that's sort of like my perspective tonight where it sort of added to the element of like, this didn't feel like the full all the way in the office sketch. This was like in the office plus. It's like, I, I never understood your take. Sorry. Go ahead, Sammy. <laughs> uh, I was going to make a dumb joke about how it's like monsters Inc where they have all the doors and uh, you know, you go through and you can go, you know, Go into another world. All right, Rich, uh, continue your. Uh, no, I, I've said this on on other on the roundtable before that. I feel like uh, this is where John and I totally disagree because I love them in the office because it just shows the talent of writing and performance that just one set, four walls, not even a lot of room. And I just think that they've done a lot of funny stuff without needing multiple sets, multiple locations, big visual. Like they just, I just think these guys are very, very talented, but I love the idea of the magical door. I think that is a, a beautiful add on to, to the world that they're in. That's great. For sure. And yeah, I mean, look, I could be wrong about this. I know there's a lot of people back and forth in the office, out of the office, but it's always fun to debate these whenever we get, especially a good please don't destroy sketch. Okay. So those were our sketches for the night. Not as many back half sketches as we had last week, for sure, but a lot of really fun segments. Tonight, we're going to rate our show out of 10, and I'm going to ask the panel to give us their ratings as well as the people in the chat. We'll put them up on screen. So, Sammy, let me go to your first. How are you? Let me go to you first. How are you rating tonight's show out of 10? Yeah, so for me, I'm, I'm still like back and forth on whether or not this episode or the Jack Harlow episode for me is my favorite of the season you know you guys talked about on the round table how you know even though it wasn't like a christmas show or a season finale that one felt really special and this one felt special too but you know it didn't reach that sort of level you expect with a Chappelle 
hosted the episode for me. It was quality all around for the most part, except for the you know Game of Thrones sketch in my mind. And for that reason, I'm still giving it an 8.5, which is a great grade uh, in my opinion. But you know, not. I, I don't think it you know matched you know at least his first episode. I think it was probably better than the second though. Rich, where are you t- on the show tonight? What is your rating out of ten? You know, and, and I have to put the rating in the vacuum of just the 90 minutes that we watched because I still, you know, we're not getting into how we got here and stuff, and and which I think would affect my my overall rating. But I'd say looking at the 90 minutes, I, I'm going to, I'm debating between an eight and an eight and a half. I think I'm going to go eight and a half. I think that every sketch was really solid, really good performances. I do think that. Dave as a sketch performer is not as strong with the timing on live TV. So that's where in some of the performances, while he himself is very dynamic, he's better, I think, edited in pre-tapes than he is in live. But overall, I mean, there just wasn't a missed sketch tonight. I mean, that's just a, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go eight and a half for sure. Yeah, we didn't plan this out, but I had written on my paper eight and a half as well. I completely agree with what we're seeing here. I think that this was... Uh, this was to me the strongest episode of the season bar none i don't think that there was anything that really dragged down the episode in my opinion at least on screen so for me i really enjoy this episode i'm gonna go you know i'm I'm still like i said we're evaluating the season this is something we're going to talk about throughout the week i think you know for me really inconsistent is what i've seen so far it's very up and down up and down so i'm curious if the momentum can carry or it's really just that you know bringing in dave bringing in his friends and some of the writers just boosted this episode so much uh but I'm very excited to continue to talk about these sketches throughout the week. And we will discuss, like I said, the decision to book Dave Chappelle and all of you know that entailed as we get going throughout our coverage throughout the week. And there is a little bit of a break between now and the next episode of Saturday Night Live. But let's talk about what we have happening on the podcast between now and then. So we're going to continue our Chappelle coverage this week with our Monday night roundtable. We have three incredible guests joining us. That will be Haskell, TJ, and Kirsten on Monday night to break down all of the sketches we want to talk about from the Chappelle and Black Star episode. Mike and Nicole will be back with myself on Wednesday to go through all the numbers of the first six episodes of SNL. And specifically, we'll talk about the numbers of the Chappelle episode. And then on Thursday, I will be back with two wonderful patrons to answer questions from the Chappelle week of SNL and look forward to the Kiki Palmer episode happening on December 3rd with musical guest SZA. So we'll talk about that on Thursday as well. Then... The following Monday, Sammy K, we have a super fan takeover happening. So why don't you tell the listeners what we're looking at for that super fan takeover happening the following Monday? Absolutely. So on this edition of the super fan takeover, we will be looking at our favorite Thanksgiving sketches of all time. So, you know, we are looking at the calendar and we've done Halloween. We've done Christmas. We have not done Thanksgiving yet. So, you know, to get in the spirit uh, you know, come join us and, you know, we'll discuss some, some wholesome family uh, Thanksgiving theme sketches. Yeah. And that will be on the 21st. And then on the 28th, following that the week, uh, as we start to head towards the Kiki Palmer week, we'll be back with a point counterpoint, which if you haven't seen that episode, we did that over the summer. We tried that for the first time. We're going to be back with that for a point counterpoint. We're going to have TJ and Andrew Dick battling on SNL debate topics for that episode for that Monday. And then we will head towards our coverage of Kiki Palmer and SZA that week. So that'll be a fun show that following Monday night. Okay. Rich Tackenberg, so exciting to have you here with us on a hot take show. Please tell us how you thought you did on the show tonight. Very curious to get your thoughts on that and where the listeners can reach out to you. 
Oh my God, that's way too meta. I have no idea how to answer that question. I think and that's, that's what, what this episode's all about. <laughs> I love it. Uh, you know, very interesting to just be hot takes. Usually I enjoy sort of processing and thinking and rewatching. It was really fun to just sort of just, just, just be, be in the moment. I didn't even get to watch the good nights a second time yet. I haven't watched the peacock TV long good nights to see who said what to who. And, but this was great. I just love being here. I am so exhausted right now. I don't know how <laughs> well, you guys you. do it. You're three hours ahead of me, but I'm so exhausted. But I will say about the show too, that I, I and this is what I love about a great SNL. Not only did it was really fun, when it was over, I was exhausted. And I mean that in a good way. And and so this is a perfect cap to that. So uh, social media, I'm never on social media. I have nothing interesting to say. If you're in LA, do a lot of storytelling at the Moth and, and indie shows all over uh, on, uh, but feel free to, to you know, on Rich Tack, uh, on all the things. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us, Rich, tonight. and looking forward to having you back on your roundtable spot during one of the December episodes. Sammy Kay, always great to hear from you. Where can the listeners check out everything you got going on? John, thanks for having me tonight. Uh, you guys can find me at BathSammyK on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And of course, please check out all of the Super Fan Takeover episodes we've done. Uh, we have a, a pretty big backlog of them at this point. So, you know, during the hiatus, definitely, you know, check those out and catch up. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just want to plug our social media as well. Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook at the SNL Network. We have a lot of fun things that we're going to be putting up between now and the next episode that we've been saving for these weeks for some fun SNL statistics and other fun anecdotes we'll put up on there. So make sure to follow us on there. Subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And you can also follow me at John Schneier 24 if you ever want to reach out and talk about the show. All right. I want to thank everybody in the chat for staying up late with us and making it through this sixth episode of the 48th season. Thank you to Sammy and Rich for joining us. My name is John Schneider from the Saturday Night Network. We will see you next time, everybody. Have a good one. Mm -hmm.